It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. This is Chester Moore. You know, and part of what we do is talking about like inland and stream fisheries and access to fisheries and things like that. And um, I want to get someone on the show tonight that knows their way around in a kayak. So I contacted Joseph Sanderson at JMS underscore outdoors on Instagram. Met him through a, a connection at St. Croix. And this guy is a wealth of information. All this stuff fishes a lot of kayak bass tournaments and... Um, just a fun guy. So uh, welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be on the show. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, you know, anytime I can sit and talk to someone for like 30 minutes of the day, it was just a nonstop flow of fishing fun information. I'm like, I've got to get them on the podcast. <laughs> well, we uh, we definitely had that conversation leading up to this. So. Yeah, no um, question about that, man. So just going back, you know, to your the beginning, you were talking about kayaks and bass fishing and stuff. So when did you first fall in love with fishing? And then right after that, when did you first kind of figure out the kayak would be one of your main methods of getting out there? Oh, man. I uh, I mean, I fell in love with fishing before I can even remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up fishing down at the coast. My, I was lucky to have my dad get me into the sport. And, you know, we would we'd make it down to the coast four or five, six times a year. And I quickly realized that four or five or six times on the water is not going to be enough for me. Um, so I picked up bass fishing at a very young age. You know, I would, I'd grab my bicycle and go drive down to the local pond. And that kind of graduated once I got a vehicle to, um, kayak fishing and kayak tournament fishing. And so I really started fishing tournaments out of a kayak at, at age 16, I guess, right, right. Whenever I got my truck and, um, and the rest is history. It's been a fun ride since and started traveling more and fishing higher level tournaments and uh, bigger trips down to the coast and stuff. And it's been a great ride and I'm looking forward to continuing that. Well, you know, if me and a friend of mine had a discussion the other day how uh, one of the best ways to hone your fishing abilities for any fish is to pursue largemouth bass because largemouth can be so finicky. They're in so many different kinds of conditions. Have you found mm-hmm. that just in general, becoming a better bass fisherman makes you a better fisherman, period? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I, I completely agree with that. I think, you know, you go down to the coast and you get a good weather day and redfish are going to be shallow. Um, but bass fishing, depending on the time of the year, uh, the forage that they're, that they're keying in on, those fish can be found from a foot of water all the way down to 35 feet of water. Um, you've got to match the hatch per se um you know if they're they're spawning they're they're going to be real finicky i, I mean it, the list goes on and on so yes i think that the bass fishing it, it teaches you to adjust to the conditions and fish to those conditions and, and really key in on the details and what those fish are doing that time of year and i think that, that definitely translates to, to all species of fish yeah, I find myself using a lot of bass-type lure, actually bass lures for speckled trout, you know. Absolutely. So, so my favorite topwaters that came off the, the freshwater shelf just replaced some hooks. And yep. uh, 
ready to rock and roll, you know? So it's just, it's a fun thing. And the great thing about bass is they're so accessible to everyone. It's kind of what we talk a lot about is these streams and rivers and and inland lakes and, and the accessibility. And the thing with the kayak, you can get literally to pretty much any place in these inland reservoirs, inland streams, and do it very efficiently without breaking the bank. Definitely. One of the coolest things in Texas to me is that all of our river, rivers are public. So, well, navigable rivers are public. Yeah, as, yeah. You know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are aware. Um, so the cool thing about a kayak is you can you can find a public access point, a bridge, um, you know, a road that dumps into the lake, whatever, or to the, the creek, to the, the river, and, um, and just put your kayak in right there and go. And uh, I do a lot of float trips like that with my buddies on, on the weekend. We'll do overnight trips on the river and put in at one bridge and take out at another, another bridge. And we don't have any private land access or anything like that. And they, the kayak really opens up um, you know, that cool law that the state of Texas has, has provided to, to its outdoorsmen. So. Yeah, and you and I were talking about some of our uh, favorite Texas stream fisheries, you know, out there in the Texas Hill Country, places like the Nueces, the Frio, the Sabinal, yep. all of those places. And even those places where it's a little bit more restricted because of some of the flowing areas, you can find great public access to fish for things like largemouth, Guadalupe's, Rio Grande cichlids, a lot of cool stuff. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And it's, it's gorgeous out there. I mean, crystal clear water, uh, tons of fish. They get a lot less pressure, too. Mm-hmm. Than a lot of other places, especially closer to the to the big metro areas. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's incredible out there in the hill country and, and almost out in the desert, West Texas. The Devils, the the Pecos, those are great fisheries as well. Yeah, that's kind of next on my list for the smallmouth purposes out there in the Devils River. Oh, the Devils River is. Um, I mean, it's probably not what it used to be mm-hmm. five seven years ago before mm-hmm. a lot of people really knew about it but it's such an incredible place i mean catching three to four pounds smallmouth in crystal clear water whenever it's 105 degrees outside the middle of the desert is it's just something that you have to experience for yourself that words can't really uh do it justice yeah that's gonna have to happen for sure <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. I think about kayaks, you know, people think of bass tournaments, of course, like me, I love watching Bassmaster, you know, and I've been doing that for, for sure. years and we watch Major League Fishing as well. But uh, people yeah. think of a, a kayak in a tournament, kind of run me down on what happens at a kayak tournament. I mean, uh, what are some of the rules that might be a little bit different in terms of access points and those kind of things? Yeah, so a lot of our um, tournaments are done in a roadrunner style. So they'll you'll have a lake, let's say it's Lake Travis. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're allowed to launch at any equal access spot. So that could be a private launch that is the public knowledge that you have to pay to launch at, or it could be one of the Texas parks and wildlife ramps. And you're allowed to, to fish within the predefined boundaries, um, launching at any one of those access points. So, mm-hmm. um, that kind of makes the entire lake accessible. Um, but one of the other, cool things to me about kayak fishing tournaments is that they're judged via a catch photo and release type system. Mm-hmm. So similar to the major league fishing, um, where they catch the fish and weigh them on a scale and release them on the spot. We do the same thing. We, we catch the fish, put them on a measuring stick, take a picture, submit them through an app and then release the fish right there. So it's a very, um, non-invasive way to have a tournament instead of putting a fish in a live well and carrying it all the way across the lake and 
weighing it in. Um, it's low stress on the fish. The fish goes back right where it came from. Um, so it's, it's great for, for conservation in that aspect of things. Um, like I mentioned, it's done by length. So generally speaking, it's your longest five fish instead of, instead of your heaviest five fish that you mm-hmm. generally see in a, a powerboat tournament. Um, other than that, it's, it's very similar. We have um, similar hours for our fishing tournaments that some of the professional powerboat tournaments may have. Um, the, the camaraderie is, is great. It's a small community that's, that's growing, but everyone's on each other's teams. Uh, it's, it's fun. I would highly encourage anyone that fishes out of a kayak and, and thrown around the idea of, of competitive fishing to um, to try it out. And there's a, in the state of Texas, there are so many trails that we have going right now. I think that we have seven kayak trails, um, the active that um, are, are running series that you can fish, and they're regionalized. Um, Southeast Texas, North Texas here in central texas san antonio has a great trail west texas and then far east texas as well and then this year i actually started up another one called ckc texas kayak championship nice. and that's kind of more of a uh, statewide trail where we're having tournaments in in each region of the state so um lots of opportunity there to, to get involved and, and get out there well tell us more about your trail this is it looks exciting yeah, so it's uh, it's cool. It's new. Um, like I said, this is going to be our first year. Mm-hmm. Kind of the idea behind it is all of these trails that are regionalized have a 50 to $75 entry fee. And I wanted to create something that was a little bit higher stakes and higher rewards. So, um, and and, and kind of encompasses the entire state as well. So we have five tournaments this year. First one is this weekend at Fayette. Um Next tournament is February 28th at Lake Palestine. After that, we're going to Hubbard Creek, which is out west of Fort Worth at the end of March. And we're coming back down to Central Texas, and we're going to fish Belton uh, on May 1st, which is going to be cool because that's kind of a multiple species tournament, mm-hmm. too. A lot of smallmouth come out of Belton. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, and then we're going down to Lake Amistad at the end of May, which everyone's very excited about. To my knowledge, I don't know that there's ever been a kayak fishing tournament there. So a uh, legendary fishery, and we're getting on it with the kayaks and uh, very much looking forward to it. And the, the trail's been very well received. Um, we've got a, a big championship at the end of the year. If we average 50 people, we'll be paying out um, $10,000 to the winner at the championship. If we average 100, we're guaranteeing 12500 uh, to the winner of the championship. And, um, you know, big money and, and, and high stakes. And it's gotten some good publicity nationwide, too. So hopefully we'll pull in a few out-of-state people to come and join us here in the great state of Texas as well. Where can people find more info? Yeah, so we have a Facebook page, uh, Texas Kayak Championship. Okay. You just Search that on Facebook. Find all of the information that you need there. Well, you and I connected through uh, mutual friends at St. Croix, and I've been messing with their, uh, you know, some of their some newer equipment. And I want to get you and talk okay. about what you've had your hands on. You've had your hands on the Triumph, the casting yes, rod, and uh, what what model do you have, and uh, what action, and what have you been doing with it? Yeah, so I got my hands uh, on a on the rod, I guess before it was officially released to, to shoot some photos and stuff for St. Croix. And, 
Uh, the rod that I have is a seven foot medium, uh, medium power fast action. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to take it down to the coast in October, which is, you know, everyone knows it's one of the best times to be down at the Texas coast. And we got a great weather window and we found a pile of redfish up shallow and just had a blast. Um, use that thing to, to throw real lightweight plastics. Um, mm-hmm. We're fishing very shallow water. Yeah. We're on my buddy's uh, pulling skiff. He's got an East Cape skiff. And uh, so we, we were able to get up real skinny. And um, you don't want a real heavy lure in shallow water. So um, we were throwing weightless plastics. We are throwing plastics with a 16-ounce jig head. It got a little bit windier. And, and that rod was, was able to handle those light baits very very well and one of the other things that i love about that rod is the price point um it's got great components it's the finish is incredible they look great yeah yeah they do look great the cork that st Corey uses on those rods is as high as the quality there's not a lot of voids that's filled in um on the rod and, and it's a 130 dollar rod it's very accessible for a lot of people that want a very very nice rod for a cheaper price point um I mean, I, I think it's in, in the $200 price range. I think it's what they should be selling that rod at, but they're not. So, um, great rod, and uh, it, it's got the power to handle as big of a fish as you want it to um, as yeah, well. Yeah, I was out fishing my Mojo Inshore that I got a hold of in October and mm-hmm. uh, caught a 40-pound black drum on it. And, uh, yeah. You know, and it was a medium light-action rod. And put on a great yep. fight. But, no, one of the things you mentioned is how you had to find those reds in that shallow water. You want something delicate. I think the great thing about what's with these different lines that St. Croix has, they have so many varieties and actions and lengths and stuff that if you're kind of yep. going to go specialize in some of these areas, you're like, you know, if I go down to the coast in this particular bay, they always seem to want that delicate stuff. You can match that. But if you also maybe you're going to go out to the jetties and do something more power type thing, you have those options available through St. Croix. For sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I know uh, that you mentioned that I got my hands on a Mojo intro rod too. And that, that rod is one of their heavier rods, um, which I am very much looking forward to using at the jetties. It's a seven, six medium, heavy, fast action. Perfect. uh, You know, you've got, you can fish for, for any fish that you want to in the St. Croix line of rods and you can just, you know, handpick exactly what action and what length and, and power you're looking for. You know, I think that's part of the complete angler as you learn, take this journey as an angler, learning that when you go buy a rod, not every rod is made equally. And um, that by just tweaking the action a little bit or the length, certain new opportunities to catch fish, whether it's a bass or even a bull redfish at the jetties, come to life for you in a lot more effective way. So your time on the water is spent better because you're having better equipment focused on exactly what you want to catch. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, it's a really good point. I mean, you don't want to go to the jetties and be underpowered in case you catch a, you know, hook into a big bull or, or a tarpon or something like that. If you're fishing with a seven foot medium action rod, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get torched and, uh, and it's not good for the fish either. You want to, um, you want to go to battle with the right, the right weapon you don't want to put a 40 pound redfish through a fight on a seven foot medium action rod where it's going to tire itself out and, and and maybe not survive that fight so um it's great to great to have those options and and match exactly what you're fishing for 
with uh, with the right equipment. Now, when you're bass fishing out there in these tournaments, do you ever take time and break out the old spinning rod and do a little bit of finesse fishing? Yeah, I do. I, I'm ashamed to say that I do because I do not like <laughs> finesse fishing. It's that all- is not my style at all. Um, give me a, a seven foot six, extra heavy bass <laughs> action rod, a 65 pound braid, and a frog, and let's go to work or a spinner bait or crankbait or something. I like to chunk and wind. I like to fish for the hungry fish, you know. I don't like to I don't like to make those finicky fish eat and coax them into eating. I want to go and catch the ones that are that are wanting to eat. That is a good angle on that. <laughs> you know, it's And it's, I know Go ahead. Tons, tons of fish get caught on drop shots and wacky rig stinkos and stuff, but not by me. I I would rather not catch fish than have to to sit there and you know play with the struggle stick as my friends call it the struggle so, stick i like the, that the struggle stick. yep <laughs> i asked my g- good friend the great rick, rick clun one time i asked him i said what do you think about finesse fishing he said it's for wimps uh uh i i agree with rick on that one <laughs> he was joking of course he said of course i have to break out you know to win tournaments sometime i have to break out the spinning rod but he's a power fisherman you know and there's like that dichotomy you got the guys that are power guys you got the finesse guys, and uh, then you got the guys that are in between. But I think when it comes to winning money, people usually break out what they got to break out. Yeah, for sure. You got to be versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the name of the game. I've started to travel the country and, and fish more of these tournaments. And whenever I go up north to a smallmouth fishery or a real clear water fishery, it's going to be really hard to go and catch those fish on a frog and 65 pound braid um, yeah. or, or, you know, a deep diving crankbait or something like that. So uh, you got to adapt, and and that's one of the things that bass fishing has taught me. Like you're like you were talking about earlier, is fishing to your conditions and fishing in the situation. And um, you got to do what you got to do, and and you, you got to be good good at everything if if you want to be consistent in, in tournaments throughout the time of the through all times of the year. Excuse me, and uh, in different geographic locations and lakes and stuff as well. When I'm bass fishing, if I had my druthers. I would catch them all on a square bill or a topwater. Okay. That's my two things that I would do if I could get away with it. And I don't fish tournaments, so I don't have to worry about making money doing it. But um, right. if I could get away with it, you know, and I like crankbaiting, but like getting that 10XD out and cranking that uh-huh. thing out. I mean, I might as well fight a redfish all day long, you know. It'll wear you out for sure. <laughs> um, it will wear you out. There's uh, the, the technology in rods and reels these days has, has gotten so good. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the the cranking rods that that we fish with these days are are all fiberglass or composite graphite and fiberglass it's a blend where yeah, they'll the, have fiberglass at the mm-hmm. tip and then graphite down at the down at the base and then they've got very very low gear ratio reels as well mm-hmm. which make cranking that 10x d a lot more manageable yeah. it'll still it'll still wear you out if you throw it for nine hours a day and you're making as many casts as you can during a tournament but it makes it a lot more manageable, and I, the the legend glass from St. Croix is mm-hmm. probably the best cranking rod that I've ever had my hands on. It's uh, it's incredible, um, and makes handling those those big crankbaits very very easy. You know, I've been using uh, glass rods for a number of years, um, not only for not only for bass, but also for redfish and like the jetties and deeper water where I fish a lot. 
And um, same effect with the bass. You know, the reason you'll miss a lot on a on a graphite rod is because you'll it's so sensitive. The fish will literally push water on it, and you'll feel like you have a bite. You know, but yeah, and a redfish yeah. is the same way. You know, so. Uh, by, by the time usually with that with that glass rod on a big redfish, once you feel him, he's on, you know, and uh, and that's sure. a great thing. That's once again you're talking about tweaking, you know, the equipment to what you're going for, you know, and even that lower yep. gear ratio you mentioned for making that fishing that that much more manageable. It can mm-hmm. make a, an angler, not just a tournament angler, but anyone who goes out fishing, have a better time out there. No doubt. I mean, it's just like on the gear ratio of the reel, it's just like riding a bike. Whenever mm-hmm. you're going uphill, you don't want to use a real, you know, high gear that you're getting a lot of speed from. You're going to, you're going to downshift and get to a lower gear and it's going to be easier to turn to go up that hill. And, uh, the other thing that I love about a glass rod is it's just it's a lot softer. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're throwing crankbaits and traps and stuff like that, you're just throwing really small treble hooks. And that rod is going to have a lot more give for the head shakes. And in case that fish turns and runs away from you, it's just going to give you a little bit more play that that could make the difference to keeping that, that fish on that, uh, that could make a difference at the end of the day. Now I got to ask this as you're on this kayak measuring mm-hmm. this large bass, how many, uh-huh. if any have jumped out while you're doing that? Oh man. Um, you know, it's probably a, good thing that i don't have any very memorable uh instances of that yes i think that i've probably had three fish flop to the board or so which which i'll take you know over i guess almost 10 years of kayak fishing now but i do remember one time my good buddy guillermo which uh i think he's going to make an appearance on your show here in a little bit too um he, we were fishing a tournament at, at Lakewood. It was an impoundment on the Guadalupe River that the dam blew out a few years ago. Anyways, he, it was a very tough tournament. There was just a big flood. I think the visibility in there was two to four inches at best. And the winner had two fish. Anyways, Guillermo caught this fish and it was a big fish for that day. It was 19 or 20 inches, probably a four ish pound fish. And, he was getting ready to take a picture, and that would have been the winning fish for him. Almost doubt it's two thousand dollars fish, and it flopped off the board right in front of me. And I, my heart broke for the guy. But then again, I was, you know, a little excited because that still gave me an opportunity as well at the <laughs> tournament. So it is competition. It, it is, is it is competition though. Well, this is great stuff, and uh, we appreciate you taking time to talk about these rods and kayak fishing your tournament series you're starting and um if someone wants to contact you and uh learn more about what you're doing where do they go yeah for sure so uh my instagram page that you mentioned at the beginning of the show at jms underscore outdoors is going to be a great way to contact me that's got my email link to it and also my phone number mm-hmm. um you can also shoot me an email at jmsandersonfishing at gmail.com. It's kind of a mouthful, so the Instagram page is probably going to be the best way, and you can find all that information there as well. Well, we appreciate your expertise. We'd love to have you back on soon. Yes, sir. Give me a shout anytime. Thank you for having me on. All right, thanks. You've been listening to The Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at chester at chestermore.com. Follow him at the Chester Moore on Instagram and his blog at HigherCalling.net.